0: I thought today we'd look at Alphabet and Spotify. Google has outdone Apple and Tesla with Alphabet's 20-for-1 stock split. What does the split mean for the company and for you, the investor? And will it pave the way for Alphabet to make it to the Dow Jones Industrial Average? And what are the, the ripple effects from that? And then we take a look at Spotify. Should investors be concerned over outsized deals that the streaming platform is making with creators? This in the wake of the Joe Rogan controversy. Are we seeing a situation shape up where major artists could have an outsize impact on Spotify. So we saw Neil Young, Joni Mitchell pulling their song libraries and some argue that these artists may have less impact than say should a Taylor Swift or a BTS react to misinformation streamed on the site. So a lot of interesting questions to unpack there. Will we continue to see streaming outlets come under fire and needing to really lay out how they're going to respond to disinformation given their reach? Or as the world's largest music streaming service if you look at quarterly revenue especially revenue from subscribers continuing to listen to advertising content that on the rise for spotify uh, given its uh, fourth quarter results does that all go well for the company as a whole joining us to make sense of it all as always a brilliant arun pai joining us this morning chief strategy officer at flow we love the way he helps us understand how investors think through these issues good morning arun
1: Good morning, Michelle.
0: All right, let's start with Alphabet, surely. Before its earnings report sent shares up more than 8%, Alphabet's Class A shares closed at $2,753. These were the main class of shares for Google until 2012, and they trade at a slight premium to its newer Class C shares, which carry no voting rights. Now, split-adjusted, that 20-to-1 stock split, uh, that brings $2,753 that you'd have to pay uh, to a about $137.64 cents. So um, if we needed to drill down and try to understand what Alphabet's 24-1 stock split means for investors, uh, where would
1: we start? Well, uh, you know, firstly, let's talk about pure, the, the theoretical aspect of a stock split, right? All it does, I mean, if you look at what a market cap of a company means or the worth of the company it's nothing but the number of shares outstanding multiplied by the share price, mm-hmm. which at present value, I mean, given the overnight slight extra run-up in Google stock, uh, closer to like $2,900, we're looking at a market cap of close to $2 trillion US. Now, what they've basically done with the 20 to 1 stock split is massively increase the number of shares outstanding, which correspondingly should uh, decrease the share price in a proportionate manner, such that the market cap doesn't change. Now, this is all based on pure theory where any company can do as much of a stock split or reverse stock split, thereby seeing the share price either reduce or increase by the proportionate amount, leaving the market cap to be unchanged. But what's interesting in the case of Alphabet is given that the huge price run-up that's occurred and leading this to be a $3,000 stock, give or take, Mm. getting potentially into the Dow Jones, which you highlighted, suddenly means a whole host of index funds will be now involved in that because they want to try and, you know, proxy their returns or that's what their ETF claims, that they'll be following uh, Dow Jones Index's returns. And, of course, a whole bunch of investors, retail investors especially, who can get involved in the stock. That being said, though, I mean, there are a whole number of fintech companies that allow fractional fractionalization of stocks. So you don't need to own one Google share, just like you don't need to own, uh, own one Bitcoin, you can do in proportions of that. But, you know, for the more simpler, uh, straightforward retail investors, seeing a $100 or 150 170 whatever the math is, uh, stock price, it just leads to potentially more interest from the retail side, thereby driving up demand. Thereby we see, especially for these, you know, big named companies that have huge brand following and people following, we typically see whenever a stock split is announced, there is a little bit of an increase in the share price, even though theoretically there shouldn't be it.
0: So I, had an, I heard an interesting um, argument from a retail investor yesterday who said, oh, so now what this means is when there is an increase in Apple's share price, this means existing shareholders benefit 20 times more. So I'm confused because splits don't affect the value of an investor's holdings, right?
1: It doesn't. I mean, so it's just like, you know, not even funny math, it's just very straightforward math, wherein if anyone is holding on to the stock right now, like, and you have all these kinds of like event arbitrage kind of people where they might be long the stock right now, they might decide to sell it and then buy it at the dip later on, etc. But theoretically speaking, trying to get involved in this space, trying to monetize some difference between pre-split, post-split, because the percentage, is, you know, it's 20 times higher, et cetera, mm. is all completely incorrect. Just think of it as, the, in, let's go into absolute numbers, right? If Google earned a billion dollars this quarter, and the next quarter is going to be a billion dollars, it's the same company that earns the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. You could have the company's share price be worth or uh, trading at $50,000 or $100. At the end of the day, if you just look at the entire company as a whole, it's the same amount of profit that's earned, right? So all it depends is on a per share basis, how much is that? And then you have the multiplier of price to earnings and you get the stock price. So the, it makes absolutely no difference in terms of, you know, shares outstanding versus share price. As long as the map stays the same, which it does, it doesn't make a difference.
0: So in terms of its impact on your portfolio, should you be an existing owner of Alphabet? Help us understand what happens there.
1: Say, you know, you are currently owning a 1,000 shares of Google, mm-hmm. right, at times uh, $3,000, give or take. Hence, your portfolio is worth 3,000 times a 1,000 shares, okay. right? That's okay. going to be the value of your portfolio. When the official stock split takes place, and I'm not exactly sure what date that is, but give or take... You know, 20 to 1, this thing, say, instead of 1,000 shares, you'll now be owning 20,000 shares. You'll be owning substantially more in terms of number of shares worth. But that 20,000 shares will be multiplied by the 3,000 divided by 20, give or take, thereby leading the multiplication of the two to be exactly the same portfolio value. So if you take an example of, for whatever reason, say, the stock market is shut and there is no price movement prior to stock split, and hence post-stock split, you will see the total value in your portfolio in your investing account to be exactly the same. No difference at all. It'll just be that you own substantially more number of Google shares, but the price is lower. So no change at all in your portfolio.
0: Okay, so July 15th, if you're an Alphabet shareholder, you'll receive 19 additional shares for every share that you hold. And then you can trade Um, on a split-adjusted basis from July 18th. So we've covered the investor side and the impact on the investor. Does the split make Apple more valuable or does it open it to more volatility because we're seeing more of the retail investors, um, you know, being able to play in the alphabet game?
1: Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, it's an interesting question. And it kind of, you know, uh, apologies for potentially boring your uh, listeners. Going into history as to, you know, when uh, back then it was Google and when it went public, there were a lot of questions by the co-founders as to whether they want other outside investors having a say in how they run their day-to-day business. And they were actually not planning on going public until they actually had a chat with Warren Buffett. And that's when this whole aspect of difference class and shares came about. So class A, as you, know, you mentioned in the beginning of the, this talk, that's the publicly traded one. There's a class B, and now there's a class C in 2012, but the class B shares that are not publicly traded, they actually have, which are primarily owned by the co-founders, or a majority of them, they actually own a much higher voting right as compared to the Class A. So Class A, for each share, you get one vote. For Class B, each share, you get 10 votes. So this just basically means whenever it comes to any corporate decision, capital allocation, anything that requires shareholder approval, because the founders own a substantially higher percentage of the uh, vote because of the different class of shares, they can still have their say in how to run their business. And that's exactly how Warren Buffett did it. That's exactly how Facebook is doing it. A lot of these tech companies, because they are, you know, I mean Alphabet not so much right now, but to some extent it is, I guess. But Facebook especially, the Berkshire Hathaways, all of these larger tech companies, they still have their founder run uh CEO companies, right? Mm-hmm. And who still want control over the company. So from this perspective, you know, uh, coming back to the question that you asked, increasing liquidity in the underlying shares, not to mention that Google's share wasn't liquid enough already, mm-hmm. but increasing liquidity and getting more retail investors provides, I would say, in the longer term, more of a cushion. right? Because if you say, for example, Berkshire Hathaway A shares, currently trading at, I don't know, two hundred thousand $300,000 per share, very liquid, very few institutional investors involved in it. The ones that have been, have owned the stock for a really long period of time, because that's not how Warren Buffett wanted to go about running his company, thinking about the day to day share price. When it comes to Google, which is a lot more of a common household name, I should say, and it's basically become a verb right now, Mm. uh, having a much deeper retail investor base, yes, it potentially does increase volatility to some extent because there'll be more people. Chopping in, chopping out of the stock. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, I feel it provides a much larger core retail base that potentially loves the business. They probably use an Android phone. They probably, you know, use Google search all the time, Google Maps, Gmail, et cetera, et cetera. And if there was any big pullback in tech, and we're already kind of seeing that over the past couple of months, potentially, you know, this would be another source of people sitting on the bid looking to buy additional stock given just pure optically the share price is at like a hundred and something dollars, which becomes more fathomable for the retail investor to invest in.
0: If we take a closer look at Alphabet shares, they've doubled in less than two years. So now that the 24-1 stock split makes its shares more affordable to most people, um, what, what do you make of this? Is this a good move by Alphabet? As you've said, you know, stock splits by themselves don't make the companies more valuable, but gaining entry to the Dow could further boost the stock. So is this a good move by Alphabet?
1: I mean, yeah, from the perspective of getting additional retail people, getting into Dow Jones especially, Mm -hmm. given that it's a price-weighted index and not a market cap index like the S&P. So the S&P, you know, is just 500 of the highest market cap companies that exist. Obviously, Google is in the top uh, three of them, naturally gets a spot. In the case of Dow Jones, because it's a price-weighted index, having a $3,000 stock in there is going to just the index way too much. So from that perspective, you know, fantastic moment. They came out with blockbuster earnings a couple of days back as compared to a lot of the other tech companies that announced results overnight. Have that as a big boost. Underlying business is going extremely strong, not trading at crazy multiples, getting uh, access to the Dow index most probably that it will. All of it, you know, is giving a very nice fundamental base for the business. And, you know, personally, I, I've been a Google shareholder for a while. It's one of my favorite companies. Uh, it, it, it is, uh, you know, sign for good things to hopefully continue as it has been over the past three, four years.
0: One more question before we move on to Spotify. Arun, uh, we know stock splits don't seem to have an, a significant impact on share prices historically over time. Do they have any if effect on the broader market? What does this mean for the stock market?
1: Given that it doesn't really have an impact on the stock, one should hopefully see that it doesn't have an impact on the stock market itself, right? If there was a moment where, like Amazon's trading at $3,000, give or take right now, right? As is Google. I mean, Tesla already at a, now not 1000 but like $880, give or take. This is post a stock split too. If a large number of these companies do stock splits, and makes it more attractive for retail investors to get involved, mm-hmm. which we've seen a lot of over the past a couple of years already. It's right. Just one of those social norm things that, oh yeah, I own a couple of shares of Tesla, I own a mm-hmm. couple of shares of Google, which if you wanna say you own a couple of shares of Google, then you better be having $10,000 in your account to be able to buy three shares, right? Which not a lot of people do. So from that perspective, doing a, for a large number of companies, if a stock split occurs, it just makes it more inviting for more retail people to get involved with. But I, again, right, the retail investor cannot look at a stock at its stock price and think if the company is cheap or not. It's always about looking at the market cap of the company. So take that share price, multiply by the number of shares outstanding, and then see what the value of the company is. Google's price decreasing by 20 times, number of shares outstanding increasing by 20 times, makes no difference in the business. So from just a pure social aspect of, oh, you know, uh, flexing to your friends that you won a couple of extra shares of Google by all means, but always, always, always look at the underlying business fundamentals of the stock, not just the stock price, thinking that this could be a good buy or a bad buy, looking at the past price action for the past six, nine months, Mm -hmm. or sadly in this day trader, the last couple of days, thinking that it's good or not.
0: That's why I always tell people listen to Arun Pai and not Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> he,
1: he only had, like, I think 50 million more <laughs> viewers of yes, his podcast but it's still than me. <laughs>
0: too soon to know the impact of the Joe Rogan boycott. Uh, do you listen to the podcast?
1: I do. I, I, mean, I find the guy actually quite interesting, to be honest. I mean, it's a very I, I think as an investor, you always need to look at different points of view, even if you don't agree to them, right? I think the last thing, and this is what social media has capitalized so much on, you look at a couple of, you know, quote-unquote Democrat-friendly news and only that comes on your stream or Mm. you look at this, you know, COVID uh, vaccination, fake news, quote-unquote, coming, and you only get that, so, Mm. but yeah.
0: Good point, good point. I mean, I read to challenge my assumptions always, even if it is uncomfortable. Um, And he's, you know, interesting, but, you know, I think you and I, and this is uh, an important fact, I think the, the need to listen and think critically is a life skill that perhaps needs to be worked on for a lot of people. Okay, but to the, the matter at hand, let's talk about Spot. S-P-O-T, that's what it trades under, Spotify. So uh, do, we, do you think that the Joe Rogan controversy is Spotify's Facebook moment? Or does the share movement, I mean, got hammered, for uh, its weak profit forecasts, Does that represent a buying opportunity for investors, given your take on the company?
1: Yeah, so that's a tricky and difficult question to answer, to be honest, because, you know, taking a step back and looking at this entire sector, right, and by that I mean you throw in the Facebooks of the world, the Spotify's of the world, other kinds of social media platforms primarily which has become this fascinating business model of getting a bunch of content creators onto the platform, putting a loudspeaker to each of them, attracting a whole bunch of subscribers, charging them a lot of money, potentially not paying the content creators as much. Because they can always claim that their flywheel, like these creators wouldn't even have existed had it not been for these platforms that in turn had the 10 million eyeballs and so on and so forth, right? So that flywheel has been moving very, very quickly until it comes to, and you know, backed by this whole freedom of speech thing. Mm. That's caused a huge issue, especially when it comes to political stuff, like you know, and it's in a weird way to say Barack Obama used Facebook to get elected, dare I say. And then to some extent, the amount of misinformation, through be it Russia, Trump, whatever, also got them reelected, right? So these platforms have become a lightning rod for criticism, which just means more regulation. And if you look at Spotify, like this whole Joe Rogan controversy of uh, the COVID news, then they started coming up with, and you know, yesterday in their earnings call, the CEO came out saying, look, this is a huge lesson learned. We started putting all of these disclaimers and stuff uh, if and when this podcast is listened to by people. Uh, but Facebook does that to some extent, too, right? Twitter does that to some extent, too. It just depends on where do you draw the line between, you know, on the one hand, say, hate speech or anti-religious, anti-whatever speech being used is, under the cover of freedom of speech, vis-a-vis, look, we're just a conduit. Uh, Freedom of speech has to prevail over here. And I think that's a very tough question that these platforms have to answer. And I I, I don't see any other way out of this other than more regulation stepping in. And when that happens, then, you know, it becomes a lot more difficult for these companies to scale up as quickly. A lot more money goes into compliance. It's no more of this, you know move fast, break things kind of mantra, it becomes more of let's slowly start building up, understanding what's happening. And with that, you know, comes slower growth. And, you know, anyone would have seen last night, Facebook came out with its earnings, Spotify came out with it, anything that even mentions the word or the whiff of the word of slow growth These stocks that have been trading at crazy multiples just get absolutely destroyed, right? Like Facebook down 22%. Spotify, it's also like a $30, $40 billion company, and that was down 15% overnight, right? So it's a very, very tough situation for these businesses to be in when they are trading at such high multiples. Uh, And for an investor to look at, you know, Spotify came out saying that the rough number of subscribers are going to be flat, right, year on year. And then on top of that, they said that they're no longer going to give annual guidance uh, of subscriber growth, which starts making things a lot more murkier for investors who always want at least some kind of clarity from senior management as to whether they see their future growth perspective. Podcasts, right? I mean, let's not take anything away from Spotify. Podcasts, they just announced, I think, this this vertical of uh, this uh, medium of disseminating information only back in, I think, three, four years ago, in 2018. Mm. And they overtook Apple, believe it or not, just over the course of two or three years, because they came out with a better mousetrap, people logging into Spotify, very simple UX, UI, listening to songs, listening to Spotify, and uh, or podcasts within Spotify, I should say. And if you look at the numbers, the advertisement section of Spotify is went up 40%. And now it's close to like $400 million which is close to 15% of the revenue of Spotify. So this advertising vertical has now suddenly become a pretty decent chunk of the total revenue. It's not just subscribers. I mean, I subscribe to Spotify as a family subscription. The ad-free
0: Spotify?
1: The ad-free Spotify. Right. So I'm the one who's paying $10, $15 or whatever for two people, three users to use uh, to listen to songs without ads. And now with podcast, which is purely based on a advertising module, they're suddenly earning, you know, revenue of $400 million, right, which is pretty substantiative. But now with this Joe Rogan controversy, would they need to clamp down on onboarding as many creators of podcasts as possible, which will in turn mean, you know, maybe users will start subscribing or going to like three, four other areas because they want a wide source of information. Mm. It just becomes the the flywheel stops moving that quickly whenever regulation or controversy comes in. And that leads to lower top-line growth, which means to a crashing share price. I mean, this was a company that was trading at like $350, $360 literally just about a year ago. Wow. So it's down close to 50% from the beginning of uh, 2021, right? Mm. Yeah, that's so I uh, can't believe they're not
0: giving out their subscriber numbers. You'd think that was a key metric, subscribers. that's yeah.
1: <laughs> That's right. right? Like, uh, as any uh, simple analyst, you just take a look at what your subscribers are, multiply that by the revenue or price, the, the subscription charge, Get a good idea of what the revenue from the subscription vertical is. Make some projections of how quick the podcast vertical is going to grow, and you come up with a really nice top line number. But now, without that, and that being mentioned after saying calendar year 2022 is basically going to be the same as last year, you can't have tech companies or any company for that matter creating at such multiples, mm. uh, you know, without having really substantial growth. And I think we are seeing that cleansing of that kind of a concept across the entire marketplace. So, yes, you know, you can always say the Fed is increasing interest rates and hence tech stocks are coming down. Mm -hmm. But it's also a question of, is this, you know, crazy growth that's been baked into the really skyscraper high multiples of these of the tech vertical? Is that now coming to a more sensible basis? And I think it is. I mean, look at all these companies, right? I mean, Square, Spotify, I mean, PayPal. even GameStop, <laughs> PayPal got Down crushed.
0: Down percent
1: Right. I mean, GameStop, finally, not in the triple digits, right? Wow. It, it, yesterday, it went down to like $97 or something. I still think it's like $90 too rich. But <laughs> that's a separate uh, conversation for another uh, section. So are we better right.
0: off sticking to essentials uh, apart from tech, like Starbucks managed to hike prices to offset inflation?
1: as fantastic a business model as you can look at, right? I mean, if Coca-Cola, Wrigley's Chewing Gum, Starbucks, increases its price by 10 cents, 20 cents, you probably would still be going there, right? Like you you really don't want some random coffee brand name liquid to be going into your system, just like you don't want to be chewing some weird gum or something else. Mm. From that perspective, any business in this inflationary environment, and make no two mistakes about it, right? this is not Transitory. This is, at least for the next couple of years, this is going to be the topic that we'll be talking about. Any such business that can pass along its costs to the consumer and, and is not trading at crazy multiples right now. I think that has to be added, right? Because when you're seeing just the way the multiplier uh, magnification took place over the last two years where – Because of, you know, to a very large extent, low interest rates, bonds not being the place to be, pumping money into equities, helicopter money, et cetera, all those valuations are slowly but steadily coming back down to earth. So, from that perspective, uh, you know, it has become more of a identifying individual businesses, you know, that whole concept of value investing, I feel, which had kind of been dead in the water for the past you know, at least the last two, three years, mm. is now coming back into vogue. And, you know, Financial Times, Bloomberg, etc., if you look back a year ago, the whole, you know, the day of Pratt-Noise of the world, value investing is dead, Warren Buffett is dead, this is all about Kathy Wood's day of etc. And then I think three, four days ago, there was this piece about how Warren Buffett is now outperforming Kathy Wood. Right. So ah. it, it's all, you know, it, it's <laughs> it, it's all about either you monetize these crazy growth, you get lucky to a very large extent, you monetize uh, GameStop going up 18x in a day, you know, and sit back. And if you if you're one of those people who are, you know, relying on luck to make money short term in the market, then by all means, but, you know, you, from a long term perspective, stick with what you know and uh, invest into good businesses like you mentioned Starbucks, a uh, couple of others, Disney, etc.
0: And to quote Buffett back in Vogue, I would rather be on his side of the wall of worry than anybody else's. He says, if you aren't willing to own a stock for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes. <laughs>
1: We're gonna leave it there.
0: Thank you so much, Ari for joining us.
1: Thank you, as always, for having me, Michelle.
0: He's Arun Pai. You're listening to MoneyFM 89.3. Arun Pai is Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.